So, Solomon was now king. And he got a wife. He married Pharaoh's daughter. Yeah, so far one. So far it's great. So he married Pharaoh's daughter. And so far, he's doing a really good job, but there's one problem. And that is that the people are sacrificing at the high places. So like when they're going to worship God, they're going up to like high places in the mountains to do it. But like they didn't have a temple to go and worship God in. So that's kind of what happens. Now, that's going to be one of the things that Solomon does. But first, it says that Solomon loved the Lord. And he worshipped the, only the Lord, walking to the statutes of the Lord. And he also sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was a great high place. So, like, at this time, it wasn't wrong to go and sacrifice to God at the high places. One time, he offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar to the Lord. And there, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and he said, Ask what I shall give you. Have you ever heard of a story where somebody can ask for anything they want? Yeah, that happens in stories about genies, right? It's always like, it's usually like three wishes. Jasmine. Yeah, like in Aladdin with Jasmine. It's usually like three wishes, right? And what's usually the way those stories go? Well, usually you can watch Wish for Gold. You can't make somebody fall in love with you. That's They're usually one of the rules. Love the Disney versions, but. That's, that's fairly on point. Usually you can't ask for somebody to fall in love with you. And you also can't usually ask for more wishes. Yeah. Because that'd be like cheating. Right? If only you can only have one. Yeah. And then also, usually, somebody asks for something and then it like doesn't a lot of times it gets twisted. Like it doesn't turn out that well. Like they ask for something and then the genie gives it to them, but he gets, so this doesn't really happen that much in Aladdin. Like in Aladdin, genie, nice. the genie is nice, but oh, in the okay. in the original stories about genies, which actually come from like the Middle East and a, lot, and a lot of them come from like Muslim stories. In a lot of those stories, um, the genies are, like the genies are tricky. And, and honestly, those sorts of stories might have grown out of actual, like, demon things. Because there are similar stories to that in a lot of cultures. Like, the original stories about fairies in Ireland are very similar. They're like an Ireland story. Yes, yeah, you have a classmate in Ireland after that country. But in that country, those stories about fairies, they're not usually like these, like, nice creatures. They're usually, like, really tricky and, like, mean. Yeah. And that's like what genies are like. So somebody will ask, maybe somebody will ask for like, um, more, maybe they would ask for something like more riches than, than anyone in the world or something. And then like the genie would like, well, that's true. Although that was really his fault. Because I think he, that was Midas. That wasn't a genie. That is a good example of your, of being careful what you wish for. Who I, who was it that gave? I think it was one of the gods. 
But a lot sometimes the gods it was a Greek that's a Greek myth, man. That's from Greek mythology, Midas and the Golden Touch. I think it was one of the gods, but I think that that particular god might have warned him. I can't remember. I don't know. Anyway, it is a good example of somebody's wish. No. Yeah. It's a good example of somebody's wish going bad, right? And a lot of the genie stories are like that. Like, imagine if the person asked more riches than anyone in the world and, like, a huge, like, ball of, like, gold, like, fell on the person's head and crushed him to death. Like, technically, the genie gave him what he wanted, right? So that... You have to be very specific in your wording. But usually in those stories, they always find a way to, like, twist it against you. Do you think that's that this is going to be like that? Yeah. You think that... So God came to Solomon and said, God said to Solomon, ask me for whatever you want. Do you think God is going to try to trick him or twist it? No. No, God's not like these demons or genies or whatever. Also, what about on Solomon's side? So sometimes in those stories, somebody like Midas, right? He gets to ask for something, and, and the thing he asked for was kind of foolish. He just asked for riches for himself. And I think part of the part of the point of the story about Midas, oh, and maybe some people who are listening to our podcast, maybe they don't even know about the story of Midas. They probably do. But here's how the story goes, right? He gets to wish for something, and he wishes that everything he touches would turn to gold because he figures then he'll be able to have as much riches as he wants. But then he goes to eat a grape. And the grape turns to gold. And he can't enjoy a grape. And then he tries to do something else. And the same thing happens. And then he tries to hug his daughter. And his daughter turns to gold. That's another thing he does, yeah. And so the moral is that, like, if you want to make everything about, like, riches, then you lose everything that matters. So do you think Solomon's going to be like that? Where he's going to ask for something... Foolish? He like he asked for money. Nope. No. That's what Midas was asking for. But this is what this is what happened here. Solomon said, "You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart, and you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son." to sit on his throne this day. That's him, Solomon. So he says, Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king in place of my father David, even though I'm only a little child. He doesn't mean literally like I'm a little tiny child, but he means I'm new at this. I'm young. He says, I don't know how to go out or come in. I don't know what I'm doing. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people. There's too many to even count them. So... Please give me a mind to govern your people, that I can understand and discern between good and evil for who is able to govern your great people. That wasn't a bad thing at all. That was a very, very good thing to ask for. So a big thing with Solomon here is that Solomon is very humble. A lot of times people are like, oh yeah, I'm the best, I should be the king, and I would know exactly what to do. But Solomon recognizes, man, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get started. I don't know what decisions I should make. And that's really the beginning of wisdom, to recognize what we don't know and that that we need God's help. Solomon often said this. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So God was very pleased that Solomon had asked for this. And he said, because you have asked this, that have not asked for long life or riches or for your enemies to be killed, but have asked instead to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. I will give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none shall arise after you. In other words, God was saying, Solomon, I'm going to make you the wisest person ever. I'm not just going to give you some understanding so that you can be a good king. I'm going to make you the wisest man that ever lived. And I will also give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you as long as you live. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked then, I will also lengthen your days so you live a long time. Solomon woke up, and it had been a dream, but it was a dream from the Lord. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant and made burnt offerings and peace offerings and threw a festival. And then there's a story about Solomon's wisdom. Two women came to Solomon. And one woman said, Oh, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house, and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then, on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth, and we were alone. There was no one else with us, only us two in the house. This woman's son died in the night because she accidentally laid on him. And she arose at midnight when she realized that her son was dead. She took my son away from me while I was sleeping and put him with her and then put her dead son with me. And when I rose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him closely, he was not my child. But the other woman said, no, the living child is mine and the dead child is yours. And the first said, no, the dead child is yours and the living child is mine. And thus they spoke before the king. Now, you guys have had arguments kind of like this sometimes. Where, not exactly, no, not exact. Well, neither of them killed the baby. She, the baby accidentally died, okay? It wasn't right. The arguments that I've heard you guys have that are similar to this is when you both have something, like there's, you get two, like you, you each get something, and it's like the same thing. Like, oh, I'm trying to remember what the thing was. Well, you both have birthday bears from, like, um, uh, Build-A-Bear that are the same bear, right? And so you can't tell them apart. And so you're fighting over it, and one of you says, it's mine. And the other one says, no, it's mine. Well, you probably both think it is yours. You don't actually know. These, with these two women, it wasn't like that. Their children did not look the same. One of them, well, they both knew who was telling the truth and who was lying, right? And the woman whose son died and who came and switched babies, she certainly knew that she was lying, but Solomon didn't know. How could he figure out how to make a decision? How, what's he supposed to do as a king, as a judge? So this is what he said, Samara. The king said, One of you says, this is my son that is alive and your son is dead. And the other says, no, your son is dead and my son is alive. So 
Bring me a sword. So they brought a sword to the king. And the king said, Cut the child in half and give half to one and half to the other. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a good idea, does it? But guess what happened next? The woman whose son it really was who was alive. She came to the king because her heart yearned for her son. And she said, oh, my Lord, give her the child and by no means put him to death. But the other said, he shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him in half. And then the king knew whose child it was, didn't he? Yeah, it was the one that said, please don't kill That's right. He knew that a mom... It wasn't that one lady at the squiggle bath, so maybe I'm giving kids to her. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So the king knew from, from the way that the one mother cared more about the child than about anything else, that it was really her child. So the king said, give the living child to the first woman and do not put him to death. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered. They stood in awe of him because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. Now, I told you that Solomon was a picture of Jesus in a lot of ways. I also told you that Solomon, it says, is the wisest man that ever lived. Well, that's almost true. Yep. It's almost true that Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. Yeah. Colossians says that Jesus is our wisdom from God, that in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He had perfect wisdom because he knew God's word perfectly. And we can find that wisdom in him, the wisdom of believing in Jesus and from his word learning what the right thing to do is. That's what wisdom really means. Wisdom isn't the same thing as like knowing things. You can know all of the multiplication tables. Doesn't necessarily mean you're wise. She's learning. Wisdom is, is things like, wisdom would be like knowing when to say something and when to keep your mouth shut. Or... Yeah, or for instance, for instance, okay, when it comes to hunting, Shadow is not a wise dog. He sees an animal, he dashes after it to try to get it, right? A cat is much wiser about hunting than, than our dog is, but partially that's because Shadow wasn't trained to hunt. He was trained to fetch things. So it was by hunters who would like shoot a bird and they would want the dog to go and get it and bring it back, yeah. So... Wisdom is like knowing the right way to do things. It's about knowing what is the best thing to do and, and the best way to accomplish something. So first of all, wisdom in Jesus is about knowing, well, what's the most important thing to know how to do? What's the most important thing to know how to do in the whole world? How to go to heaven. And the way to do that is through believing in Jesus right? That's the only way. That's the only thing that works. Nothing else works. So the greatest wisdom is to believe in Jesus. But then with believing in Jesus, we learn more wisdom from his word about how to love one another and about how to do what is right and about how to live in the world. And all of these things he teaches in his word. And there, there's a psalm. I don't know if it was a David psalm or a Solomon psalm or somebody else. 
that says, I have more wisdom than all my teachers because your word is my delight. And that means that when we study God's word and hear God's word, it makes us very wise because God's word is perfectly wise.